Are you between a rock and a hard place? Are you not sure if you're a sinner or a saint? Do you think you've lost your salvation? Let me take you to the New King James Version. In the book of Matthew, chapter 18, verses 12 through 14, and Jesus says, What do you think if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray? Does he not leave the ninety-nine and go to the mountains to seek the one that is strained? And if he should find it, assuredly, I say to you, he rejoices moreover that sheep than over the 99 that did not go astray. Welcome to Save the Lost at All Costs. Posted by Save the Lost at All Costs, Inc. Featuring your sister in Christ and humble servant of the Lord, Nina S. Griffin. Good afternoon. You're listening to Sister Nina S. Griffin, and we are on Save the Lost at All Costs. We're going to open up the phone lines right away. If you're local and you'd like to join in on our discussion today, have a praise report, a question, or a prayer request, please join us by calling 702-650-5588. I say again, if you're local, the number to dial would be 702-650-5588. If you're calling outside the Las Vegas area, we do have a toll-free number for you. That would be 800 366 8883. Again, to join in on our discussion today, if you have a praise report, a prayer request, or a comment, we'd love to hear from you outside the Las Vegas area. Again, 800-366-8883. We are being streamed live, audio and visual, over KKVV's website. That website address is www.kkvv.com. Brother Vernon and I are waving to you. Hello and God bless. We're also being streamed live from Save the Lost at All Costs' website. Our website address is www.savethelostlv.org. If you have missed any of our previous broadcasts, again, please go to our website. Again, Save the Lost. Website address is www.savethelostlv.org. Just select the uh, date that you like to listen to. Let the Holy Spirit lead you for the other dates and be blessed. The gospel is always free on our watch. In addition to that, if you are an Apple user, we are being archived at iTunes for free as well. Brother Vernon, I understand that there's a cell number that you can call in to listen to the radio ministry. You yes. want to give that to us, please? Yes, on your mobile device, uh, 563-999-3194. Once again, 563-999-3194 for your cell phone to listen in. Amen. You just have to be in the United States for it to work. Would that be correct? Yes. All right. I think we've got it all done. And how are you, man of God? I'm here. All right. God's got me here, yes. All righty. I'll take that as you live and breathe, right? yes. Okay, that sounds good. We have a uh, wonderful guest joining us today, someone who's near and dear to my heart. That would be uh, my brother in Christ, my cousin in life, and uh, God's man of God in the kingdom, in this life and in the next. That would be... Minister Timothy Cunningham. We just like to call him Brother Tim. Would that be you, Brother Tim? Yes, that is me. How you doing, Nina? I'm doing wonderful. I'm blessed. And how is my wonderful family, Cousin Georgia, Cousin Matthew? Uh, we're all doing great. Thank you for asking. Amen. And I know you're at your post, right? <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> all right. As they say in my world, let's get to it. So what we're going to be talking about is the importance of the Jerusalem Council. You'll find that in Acts 15. But we'd like to set this up a little bit, uh, man of God, 
uh, Brother Tim, Brother Vernon, and all our listeners, we have to understand that the Jerusalem Council happened for a specific reason. It just didn't happen just because there were some very serious questions and issues that were happening, and it was actually affecting the first century church. And the majority of the first century church were made up of Jews that had converted to Christianity. So by being Jew, that means non-Gentile. They came out of the house of Israel. So they had learned and been a part of the Mosaic Law, which is the law that was given under Moses, which would be the first five books of the Bible. Would you be in agreement with me, Brother Tim? Yes. So subsequently, there were a lot of Gentiles which converted to Christianity. And they were being told by those Jews that had been converted to Christianity that they needed to be circumcised. In addition to that, they needed to follow the laws in the first five books. Again, under the Mosaic law, that would be the law that was given to Moses. So there was a big problem. Now, Peter was the first apostle that was told to preach to the non-Jew, which would be the Gentile. Anything that was non-Jew was considered a Gentile. Would you be in agreement with me, Brother Tim? Yes, I am. Okay. So we're going to go to Acts chapter 10, and we're going to look a little bit about Peter, because Peter, as I said, was the first apostle. A lot of people think it was Paul, but it was Peter who was given the assignment to preach to the Gentiles first, which, which I would mean by that would be the non-Jew. And then we have to understand that the Jews that had converted to Christianity were being seriously persecuted in the region of Judea and Jerusalem, and they actually fled to Antioch. So that's where the first church was actually set up. The first century church was actually set up in Antioch. And because they were being persecuted, they actually fled to Antioch from Judea and Jerusalem. So what is now modern day Turkey, parts of Turkey and um, Syria, which is what Antioch was during the first century. Would you be in agreement with me, Brother Tim? Yes, I am. I agree with that. Okay, I, I just want to make sure we're on the same page because it's very important as we minister that uh, we... Uh, are seeing what has already been established by the word of God, that we're not adding anything and we're not taking anything away. So if we um, go to uh, the first couple of verses, Brother Vernon, you're, you're always an excellent reader. So we are in um, chapter 10 and of Acts, and you're coming out of the New King James Version. Would that be correct? That's correct. Okay, so let's establish something uh, right here in chapter 10. So you just go ahead and keep reading, brother. Okay, Acts chapter 10, verse 1. There was a certain man in Caesarea, Caesarea. Caesarea uh-huh. called Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian regiment. Two, a devout man and one who feared God with all his household, who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. Verse 3, about the ninth hour of the day he saw clearly, clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius... And when he observed him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? 
So he said to him, Your prayers and your alms have come up for a memorial before God. 5. Now send men to Joppa, and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. 6. He is lodging with Simon a tanner, whose house is by the sea. He will tell you what you must do. Verse 7. And when the angel who spoke to him had departed, Cornelius called two of his household servants and a devout soldier from among those who waited on him continually. 8. So when he had explained all these things to them, he sent them to Joppa. Verse 9. The next day, as they went on to their journey and drew near the city, Peter went up on the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. 10. And then he became very hungry and wanted to eat. But while they made ready, he fell into a trance. 11. And saw heaven opened and an object like a great sheet bound at the four corners, descending to him and let down to the earth. 12. And in it were all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air. 13. And a voice came to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. 14. But Peter said, Not so, Lord. For I have never eaten anything common or unclean. 15. And a voice spoke to him again in the second time. What God has cleansed you must not call common. 16. This was done three times, and the object was taken up into heaven again. 17. While Peter, now while Peter wondered within himself what his vision which he had seen meant, behold, the men who had been sent from Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate. Verse 18, And they called and asked whether Simon, whose surname was Peter, was lodging there. 19, While Peter thought about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are seeking you. 20, Arise, therefore, go down and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. Verse 21, Then Peter went down to the men who had been sent to him from Cornelius and said, Yes, I am he whom you seek. For what reason have you come? 22, and they said, Cornelius the centurion, a just man, one who fears God and has a good reputation among all the nation of the Jews, was divinely instructed by a holy angel to summon you to his house and to hear words from you. 23, then he invited them in and lodged them. On the next day, Peter went away with them, and some brethren from Joppa accompanied him. 24, and the following day they entered Caesarea, now Cornelius was waiting for them, and had called together his relatives and close friends. 25. As Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. 26. But Peter lifted him up, saying, Stand up, I myself am also a man. 27. As he walked with him, he went in and found many who had come together. 28. Then he said to them, You know how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company with or go to one of another nation? But God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Verse 29, Therefore I came without objection as soon as I was sent for. I asked then, For what reason have you sent for me? 30, So Cornelius said, Four days ago I was fasting until this hour, and at the ninth hour I prayed in my house, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing. 31, and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard, and your alms are remembered in the sight of God. 32, send therefore to Joppa, and call Simon here, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging in the house of Simon, a tanner by the sea. When he comes, he will speak to you. 33, so I sent to you immediately, and you have done well to come. 
Now therefore we are all present before God to hear all the things commanded you by God. 34. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth, I perceive, perceive that God shows no partiality. 35. But in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. Verse 36. The word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. 37. That word you know which was proclaimed throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth and the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. 39. And we are witnesses of all things which he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they killed by hanging on a tree. Verse 40. Him God raised up on the third day and showed him openly. 41. Not to all the people, but to witnesses chosen before by God, even to us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. 42. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that it is he who was ordained by God to be judge of the living and the dead. 43. To him all the prophets witness that, through his name, whoever believes in him will receive remission of sins. 44. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. 45. And those of the circumcision who believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. 46. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnified God. Then Peter answered, 47. Can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit, just as we have? Verse 48. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then they asked him to stay a few days. As we can see, Peter was the one that was commissioned by our Lord and Savior through the Holy Spirit to bring the word of salvation to the Gentiles, Amen. which is the non-Jew. But also the Jews had witnessed, who had converted to Christianity, that it was done by the Holy Spirit and it had nothing to do with circumcision. And I thought it was important, uh, Brother Tim, that we establish that. Before yes, we, we, uh, yes, we finally yes. go over to Acts uh, 15, you were going to say something, man of God? No, yeah, I was just going to say, yeah, I agree. Uh, that that's a great uh, chapter um, that leads into Acts 15. Amen. So we're going to go to Acts 11, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 18, and then we're going to get to 15. I, I, I want no one to have any doubt how this was set up, so then they can understand what was really causing the problem when we get to the Jerusalem Council, it's important that you understand this and see it for yourself. So we're going to Acts chapter 11, and we're going to look at the first 18 verses. Brother Vernon, when you're ready, sir. Right, Acts chapter 11 out of the New King James Version, verse 1. Now the apostles and brethren who were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. Verse 2. And when Peter came up to Jerusalem, those of the circumcision contended with him. 3. Saying, you went in to uncircumcised men and ate with them. Four, but Peter explained it to them in order from the beginning, saying, Five, I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision, an object descending like a great sheet, let down from heaven by four corners, and it came to me. Six, when I observed it intently and considered, I saw four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air. Seven, and I heard a voice saying to me, Rise, Peter, kill, and eat. 
8. But I said, Not so, Lord, for nothing common or unclean has at any time entered my mouth. 9. But the voice answered me again from heaven, What God has cleansed you must not call common. 10. Now this was done three times, and all were drawn up again into heaven. 11. At, the ver at that very moment, three men stood before the house where I was, having been sent to me from Caesarea. 12. Then the Spirit told me to go with them, doubting nothing. Moreover, these six brethren accompanied me, and we entered the man's house. 13. And he told us how he had seen an angel standing in his house, who said to him, Send men to Joppa, and call for Simon, whose surname is Peter. 14. Who will tell you words by which you and all your household will be saved? 15. And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them, as upon us at the beginning. 16. Then I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John indeed baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Verse 17. If therefore God gave them the same gift as he gave us when we believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could withstand God? 18. When they heard these things, they became silent, and they glorified God, saying, Then God has also granted to the Gentiles repentance to life wow repentance we need that in order for salvation to happen amen, amen. but we amen. see there was no separation they actually challenged peter and peter told them exactly what had happened when we looked at acts 10 and they understood the power of the holy spirit and peter said and he was considered the super the super apostle mm -hmm. and if peter was in agreement who were they to contend? But the thing was that they would not be contending with Peter. They would be contending with the Lord Jesus Christ. Because they all needed a savior. And this is how it was going to grow. And so now we have laid the foundation. I think we're ready to go to Acts 15. Amen. Amen. So let's go to Acts 15. And uh, Brother Tim, could you read the first five verses of Acts 15? And then we'll start uh, doing what we need to do in Acts 15 to bring this home to our listeners. Amen? Amen. So one, uh, 15, 1 to 5? Yes, sir. And what version would you be reading from? Uh, New American Standard. Okay. Amen. Okay. Some men came down from Judea and began teaching the brethren, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. And when Paul and Barnabas had great dissension and debate with them, the brethren determined that Paul and Barnabas and some others of them should go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and elders concerning this issue. Therefore, being sent up on their way by the church, they were passing through both Phoenicia and Samaria, describing in detail the conversion of the Gentiles, and were bringing great joy to all the brethren. When they arrived at Jerusalem, they were received by the church and the apostles and the elders, and they reported all that God had done with them. But some of the sect of the Pharisees who had believed stood up saying, it is necessary to circumcise them and to direct them to observe the law of Moses. All right. So I believe we have a problem right here. Would you agree, Brother Tim? Yes, we do. <laughs> and would you like to point out the problem to our, our listeners? So we're on one yeah. accord here. Yeah, for sure. Uh, the, the problem here in Acts 15 from the very beginning is that there's a dissension um, between the apostles and the Pharisees, and the Pharisees were teaching that uh, salvation is through circumcision and works and keeping the law, while uh, Peter, Peter and uh, 
the apostles and Barnabas and others who were with him were saying otherwise, that salvation is by grace alone through faith alone. And, and really, Acts chapter 15 is um, probably, uh, other than Romans and Galatians, is probably one of the keynote chapters in all of the Bible that talks about the doctrine of justification by faith through Amen. grace. Amen. Well, see, this uh, is the problem that we're having in, in modern-day Christum. We're still having this same debate because there are some people who want to believe that they're super saints and that their works should be uh, enough. And and it's not. And that you're having whole movements that are dedicated to works, to gifts. And this is what they have to understand. We have to get back to the foundation. This was what was causing a big division in the first century church. So if we don't get it right as they established it correctly in the first century church, what do you think is going to happen to the 21st century church? So the- uh, well, you're going to have a church full of people who are deceived and thinking that they're saved based on their their uh, self-righteous attitudes, self-righteous behaviors, works, traditions, rituals, customs, ceremonies, and things like that. And uh, none of that has nothing to do uh, with salvation um, in Christ. Amen. Amen. I'm total agreement with you. This is a denominational war right now. If I could bring it to practical application and where we are right now, this would be a denominational war. And if you have all these different denominations, what is it based on? It's based on Christ. Christ is the reason for Christianity, not a denomination. Some of these denominations are so young, they're 50 years young. They're 100 years young. So how is the denomination going to set up the church as it was supposed to set up in the first century? Because it has nothing to do with Christ if everything is a denomination. I agree, and I also would add to that, too, Nina, that in uh, Matthew chapter 5, in the Sermon on the Mount, um, Jesus said, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will right. never enter the kingdom of heaven. So what he's really saying is, is that, um, first of all, um, he's saying that your righteousness can never exceed theirs, and it's an impossible standard to meet. Therefore, you have to have grace, mm-hmm. and, you, and the only righteousness that can exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees is the imputed righteousness that Paul talks about in Romans 4 when it says that Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Only the righteousness of Christ can exceed that of righteousness of scribes and Pharisees. That's why men could never get to heaven on their own. Amen. They have, they have to be saved by grace through Amen. faith, which is above anything they could ever do or think in their own merit or, in, or their own works. Amen. And then Jesus's brother, we have to understand, was the head of the church at that particular time. James the Just. He's the same James that wrote the book of James. And he actually told them, and I'm paraphrasing, that if you broke one commandment of the Ten Commandments, you have broken them all. And we all know that the wages of sin are death. So how do you get around that? How do you get around that? The law was established to show those how much they needed a savior. Mm-hmm. This, this is important. How do you get around that? Well, you're right. And Paul said in Romans chapter 7 that I would not have known sin except by the law. <laughs> he, says, he says, from the law comes the knowledge of sin. Amen. I, would not have, I would not have known what covetousness is 
if the law didn't say thou shalt not covet. Amen. And, and, then, and then in Galatians, he says, the law was kind of my schoolmaster, my tutor, my escort that sure. led me to Christ. It showed me my bankruptcy. It showed me my ineptness before a holy God, and it revealed my sin. And only by the law do I understand how wretched and sinful I am. That's why later on in Romans 7, Paul said, oh, wretched man that I am, sure. who will deliver me from this body of death. He couldn't escape his sinful nature, no. but yet he knew that he was saved only by the grace of God, not by any works or anything he could have done. And he even gives his testimony in Philippians 3 when he gives all of his accolades. I was <laughs> circumcised the eighth day. I'm sure. the Hebrew of Hebrews. I'm of the tribe of Israel. And then he says, all that is a pile of dung. It means nothing. Amen. It, it, it means nothing before God. Amen. He says, the only thing that matters is that I know him. And, it, and and we need faith because without faith, as you talked about, grace alone, faith alone. Amen. And then the Lord Jesus Christ. You, you can't get in can't get in without that because he says nobody comes to father but through me you have to have that exactly and then furthermore if we look at cornelius he heard god speak to him and he was convinced it was god not only was he convinced he went and wanted his whole household saved when you really have had a encounter with God you want everybody saved around you you don't want anybody to miss out on that that's very important this is not a selfish thing this is an unselfish thing so uh, we have a caller coming in we're going to take the call and then we're going to get back to it we we need to get down to uh, finishing uh, Acts 15 it's fascinating hold on just a minute hello thank you for waiting you're on save the lost at all costs and God bless you God bless you, too. Uh, the old general once said, you know, nowadays Americans have the attention span of a goldfish <laughs> or the attention span of a flea. <laughs> with, with all this technology and cell phones and, and rage or our driver's rage or rage, you know, the, the, the problem is, is uh, the wise men that were from the east when they came to see Jesus born in Bethlehem, they followed the star. They, they were from the east. Uh, Jesus taught us how to pray on the Sermon on the Mount, but we were never taught disciplined as children to meditate, to be still and know that I am God. And that is called metaphysics uh, nowadays. Uh, the first century church taught those teachings, and that's why I stress to teach the scrolls, the, the Dead Sea Scrolls. Uh, we, we were, in Western society, we're not taught to be still and and to meditate, and this is the way to salvation. If you look at the the uh, what faith is, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. You know, you need you need to have faith for salvation, but it's also individual uh, to prosper and to be a good Christian and to and to teach people the right way of living. And uh, our, I'm afraid our churches, our, our churches have sort of fell short on that. It's all about Western civilization, war, and, and uh, greed, and all this uh, incredible stuff. Uh, th that that's my statement. It's uh, metaphysics is what it's called. Okay, I, I hear your statement, but I want our listeners to be encouraged that the Word of God, the full revelation of it from Genesis to Revelation will speak to you. If you want yeah. to hear God's voice, 
Read the word of God. He will speak to you individually. Well, well, he, Hold on, yeah. brother. Hold on, brother. Yeah. I was kind enough to listen to you. And I uh-huh. want, and I am, and I am convinced of that. He used the word the, of God he, teaches us. He used the word a, of God teaches us. He he used the donkey. He used the donkey. I understand that. Be still, and I know, and know that I am God. I receive that. But I don't want people to be discouraged. No matter what's going on in the world, rumors of world. Uh, this has all been prophesied in the Bible. We are in the time that we're supposed to be in. But God is still on the throne, Amen. and them that know His voice. You cannot pluck them from his hand. Trust and believe that. So I want people to understand that he is still the God of yesterday, today, and the future God. He has not changed. And we still need to listen to what he is saying, no matter what the distractions are. I can't imagine what it was like to live in the first century and be burned alive because I had a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ because I was a follower of the way. That wasn't something that wasn't happening it was happening that's why they fled jerusalem and judea and flew and and went to antioch because of the persecution so i'm not a persecuted person that's following the way but that did happen so this is why we have to understand and stand on the word of god he was there he's a deliverer he's a healer he's a redeemer he teaches us the holy spirit has been sent Uh down to be a comforter and a helper and we have to believe that i believe that with all my heart brother Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen. Well, yeah, we need to stop funding ISIS. I, I, thank you. I, I received that. God bless you, brother, and thank you. Amen. Thank you. All right. Hello, you're on Save the Lost at All Costs, and God bless you, and thank you for waiting. Hi. Hi, how are you? I'm fine. How are you? I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I have questions. Okay. I think that my biggest question is, is that I've listened to the KKVV a few times, more than a few times, and I've heard different teachers, um, the Bible Answer Man, and a few different other teachers answer the question about the mark of the beast. And I've heard several different things that there's no such thing as the Antichrist, and the Antichrist, everyone has a spirit of Antichrist. And I also heard that the mark of the beast is, Basically, I guess a parallel. There's, you know, the the microchip, the FRD chip that goes in your hand and then your actually your head. What they're trying to do that that's not the mark of the beast. So everyone's all over the place with this particular question. And basically, the few times that I listened to KKVV, those two ministers basically said that is just um, basically. It's not actual. It's not. It's not an actual thing that's going to happen. It's just. And I'm like, what in Revelations and Daniel and these different and and Matthew? What in there is actually real? Like, if he says this is going to happen, you know, is it going to happen or is because they're basically saying that it's just God telling the story. Does that make sense? I know it doesn't make sense because I'm kind of paraphrasing it off of what he said, and it's not exact, but basically the mark of the beast is just, they want to put that FRD chip in our hand, our right hand, and in our head, and you have to buy and sell with it in the coming future. And these particular people are saying, you know, that that's not, it's not actual, it's a tattoo, or, you know, they kind of couch their words with so many, you know, 
huge words that people honestly don't get it. We need the solid truth. Is there a such, is that the mark of the beast? Is the mark of the beast coming or is that not true? Brother Tim, are you still on the line? Yes, I am. Okay. This, this is what I believe based on what the scriptures have said. The most important thing that I can do with myself as well as to you is to encourage you to be in the Lamb's Book of Life. And in the Lamb's Book of Life, if your name is in the Lamb's Book of Life, you will see Christ again. Not only will you see Christ again, you will live with him again. The thing is, is that this world is coming to an end. No question. The prophecy has to be fulfilled before Jesus comes back. That is part of the prophecy. Now, however they want to minister about it, it's in the word of God. The word of God is infallible. If he says it, he means it. And I am determined with every breath in my body to encourage the listeners to have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Not just on paper, not just in a denomination, a real actual relationship because he will speak to you. He's obligated by his word to take care of his children and to hear his children. He's not obligated to hear or listen to anyone who is far from him. And that's what we have to understand is that when we get into a relationship with him, he will speak to us. There's a lot of white noise out there. There's a lot of distraction. There's a lot of interpretations. There's a lot of stuff going on. This is the season where he said the false prophets would rise up. It's, it, it's already here. It's a lot of them. They're going to rise up. But the difference is, it's like a counterfeit dollar bill. The FBI does not study any kind of bill but a real dollar bill. It can point out all the counterfeits. So my, you know, strong exhortation to you and encouragement to you is get into this word and God will speak to you. And I know that you love him and I know you have a desire and you want it to be right. I receive that, sis. I truly do. Brother Tim. Yes, I would just add uh, to that. Uh, that the, he is correct. Um, there is a spirit of Antichrist. Um, but also, the Antichrist is going to be a real, literal person. And Paul talks about him very clearly in Second Thessalonians chapter 2. Um, if I would just encourage her to go read Second Thessalonians chapter 2, and he gives a very clear description of the Antichrist and what his final outcome will be. But then in 1 John 2.22, it says, Who is the liar but the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ? (laughs) This is the Antichrist, the one who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father, and the one who confesses the Son has the Father also. And he goes, and there's a mentioning in 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John of that spirit of Antichrist, which basically is anti means against, against Christ. Anyone who is against the Lord Jesus Christ, that means you're against his person, his work, his word, his church. You are in, in a spirit of Antichrist, which means you are not under the influence of the Lord, you're under the influence of Satan. 
And you're against and, his servants. Exactly. And, th- and that includes cults, uh, religions. Anyone that does not name the Lord Jesus Christ is in the spirit of Antichrist. So she is correct. It, it, will, it is going to be a real, literal person. And wow. Paul says in Second Thessalonians chapter 2 that he is, that person is, is being restrained by God until the right time. But then, but then John follows it up in First John by telling us that there's also a spirit of Antichrist, which we see all the time. Amen. Wow. Um, but, but it, Nina, it, if you wanted to get back to Acts 15. Yeah. Um, we will to, get back to Acts 15. But, uh, Brother okay. Tim, I also want to encourage uh, the sister here that Jesus also said that there will be those that will do things in his name. Remember? Yes. And that they will do great works in his name. They will yes. heal. They will cast out. They will do a lot of things in his name. But he says, depart from me, those who do lawlessness, because I never knew you. They are not in relationship with him. Mm-hmm. See, that's the whole yep. thing. They're not in relationship. They're there to self-promote themselves. They are using the gospel to trick people, to promote themselves, and to give themselves praise and honor and we can see that demonstrated when jesus came out of fasting for 40 days and 40 nights who's the first person that met him was the devil right and and took him up on high and said hey all this is yours if you bow down and worship me you know what did jesus tell him refer to the scriptures that's why i tell my listeners refer to the scriptures Mm -hmm. if our lord and jesus christ tells the devil you know what the scriptures say then we should know what the scriptures say because at the end of the day you're going to have to be an apologetic you're going to have to be a defender of the faith yeah i agree and here's another verse in first john um chapter four verse three uh, John says, every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of Antichrist of which you have heard that is coming, and here it is, and is already in the world. Already. Amen. So John, so John tells you that this literal man is coming, but the spirit of that man is already here. Amen. Okay. Is it so I would just tell her, read Second Thessalonians Read Second Thessalonians chapter two, probably the first eleven or twelve verses, and he lays it out very clearly there. What were you saying, sister? It says confesses that he came in the flesh, that Jesus came in the flesh and resurrected. Is that what you're speaking of? Did you go over to Second Thessalonians? Are you there now? Oh, no, that's in John. No, okay. What I'm speaking of is in John. I think it's John two. Yes, four two. And one John, question that I had. So um, read, read the scripture, about, brother, read the scripture, brother Vernon. Then let's make sure we get this straight. Okay. Then we want to finish her her, her uh, question. Okay, go I'll ahead. go ahead and start at one and go down to three. So um, you're in First John, right? First John chapter four, verse one. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Verse two. By this you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. Verse 3, in every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God, and this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. Amen. So you had another question, sister? Yeah, about speaking in tongues. Like, speaking in tongues. What do you guys feel about that? What What is your exact question about speaking in speaking tongues? Speaking in tongues, that's a heavily, heavily language that God has given I don't know if he's given it to all of us, but 
but some say it's crazy to do, and some say, you know, it's acts of the devil, and some say it's from, from God. Okay. So what do you think about that? You have something that's called a static utterance. When we look at Pentecost, and that's where Peter preached, and 3,000 people got saved, that was a real language. Like we're talking about in Antioch, these people came from all over. You had Greco-Romans, which means they have a Greek nature and they have a Roman nature. So they come from those regions. We're not talking about people that came out of Jerusalem and Judea. We're talking about the, the Gentile, which would be the non-Jew. So they all gathered and they heard the Holy Spirit speak to them in their own native language which is not the same as an ecstatic utterance. A prayer language is different. We're talking about a real physical language where they heard. Subsequently, they heard and they confessed and they became saved. Now, ecstatic utterance. Those are the utterance where people pray in private. And sometimes you hear it out loud and they're speaking to God. But anytime you have a worship environment where you have people and they're speaking and they said they're speaking in a tongue, it has to be a recognizable tongue if we're talking about a language. And a static utterance is not a language because you need an interpreter to interpret a real language. Like if you're in Mexico and you've been given the gift to speak to them in their own native language, then the people in Mexico speak Spanish. Now, praying to God in your private prayer language and a static utterance is not the same as speaking Spanish or being able to go to Croatia and speak in Croatian. God can gift you and endue you with the language that's necessary for people to be saved and to hear the word of God. Now, it's, it's, it's a difference. And sometimes people want to confuse things. It's like you can go into some denominations and they said that if you are giving your life to Christ, you should be able to speak in a tongue. And they take you to a room and they say it's a tarry room and you can't get out of that room until you speak in a tongue. Hmm. Now, praying in an ecstatic utterance and actually speaking a, a foreign language, which would require an interpreter. That's two different things. But there's nowhere in the Bible that says that you have to speak in a tongue to be saved. That would be considered a work. Is that correct, Brother Tim? Yes, it is. Okay. Would and, you and, like to speak to uh, the sister about this, too? Yeah, I, I would just say a couple things on that. Um, you, you, don't, you, you, never really, you never see in the Bible where tongue speaking is equated to salvation. Um, and I think Nina uh, pointed it out. Uh, very, very correctly on that. Um, also, I would just probably say there, too, that um, I think that the tongues, uh, what we see nowadays in churches is, is kind of a perversion of what was going on in the Bible. Um, and the, the real issue is that people are getting up, and, you know, Paul lays out in 1 Corinthians 12, 13 and 14 um, about the spiritual gifts. And a lot of what he lays out in those chapters is not being practiced in churches today. Um, you have people getting up and, and, and speaking in gibberishes and ecstatic utterances. No one's interpreting anything. No one knows what's going on. 
And the Bible says you have to be careful about that because if an unbeliever walks in and sees that, Paul says they're going to think you're crazy. You're going to say, you say you're going to think that, that, that the church has gone mad. Hmm. Um, and so it never was um, intended for what I believe that we're seeing seeing today. And the Holy Spirit is very specific. As we were reading in um, Acts 10, the Holy Spirit gave a command to Cornelius, correct? And yes. told him specifically what to do and that told Peter what to do. So what? That God can be glorified and that they can all be saved. So the Holy Spirit is about order. It doesn't do things that are confusing because the word of God is not confusion. The author of confusion is the devil. He's a liar and he's a murderer from the beginning. And he's the author of confusion. Everything that's done in the kingdom is decent and in order. And you have to understand that people were trying to buy gifts. And when Paul and Peter and a lot of the disciples would do things because they walked in the office of the apostleship. And at that time, they were able to do things because Jesus said they could do things. But that office is closed. Now, apostle also means messenger, one who is sent. But as far as doing what we saw in Acts, that was a one time only thing. Acts is not used to teach doctrine. Am I correct, Brother Tim? Uh, yes, and also I would say this, too, that, um, you know, one thing we have to remember, um, I think it's Second Corinthians twelve twelve when Paul says the signs of an apostle are, and one of them is uh, miracles and signs and wonders and things like that. And he allowed the disciples and the apostles to do those things to validate them as true messengers of God. But they were um, appointed by Christ, correct? Right, exactly. They weren't exactly. appointed by themselves or a denomination or a bishop. Right, right. To do what we saw that happened in Acts, to do what yes. we saw that happened in the New Testament, they were assigned, but they had to do something. They had to witness Christ doing some things, correct? Yeah. Oh, that, yeah, that yeah. Was, that was the pre-qualifier. None of us in this realm have witnessed that. So, you know, for us to call ourselves apostles in the office of apostleship that has been closed, that's heretic. Right. And, you know, we have a lot of people today that love to give themselves titles. Well, that's that's right. I know it's probably big out in California. It's big here where I'm at, too, where every time I look up, someone has gone from pastor so-and-so. Now they're calling themselves apostle this and apostle that. And uh, that. I have real issues with, with people that seek titles. Just just preach. You know, don't worry about your title. But, but what did Jesus say? He said that he came to be a servant, correct? Yeah. And he didn't come to be served. He right. He humbled himself so much that he washed feet. Yes. And, you know, he says, who do you say I am? Amen? He That's asked right. the question, who do you say I am? Yes. And he was very upset with those who wanted to represent the kingdom and didn't care for the widow, didn't care for the poor, and made all these divisions. This is what we're trying to uh, minister on today at the the um, Acts 15. So there are a couple of things we need to get to uh, before we close out. We got about 10 more minutes and then we're closing out. But, Sister, I hope that we answered some of your questions. We appreciate you. One more. Do we have the the ability to bind um, the enemy, the strong man, and spoil his house? Because I've listened to KKVV and I've heard 
some different people say that we're not supposed to bind. It's the Lord Jesus Christ rebuke the evil spirits. And do we do it, or do, does the Lord, does Christ do it? We ask him to do it. Or we bind and rebuke the enemy when he's overcoming us. Well, well, the thing is, is that about binding and loosing, there were certain angels that were given authority to do certain things. When we look in the book of Genesis, after the fall of Adam, there's an angel that's placed in the garden. And he's supposed to do certain things. You're not going to be able to go in and do anything when that angel has been given that assignment. The thing is, is that in order for us to fight something, we have to put on the whole armor of God. That's how he tells us to defeat the enemy and how the enemy will flee. That's what he instructs us to do. Brother Tim? Yes, I would just say I don't... I I, I would say um, you need to, we need to let the Lord handle Satan. Um, I think uh, we need to let God handle him. Um, uh, I, I think I think in Jude, I think Jude chapter nine it says Michael the archangel when he disputed with the devil and sure. argued about the body of Moses. Sure. Um, I think we need to let God dispatch His angels to handle that, and uh, we just need to walk in fellowship with God. Stay in the spirit, walk in the spirit, be prayed up. Um, but I, I think I think we need to don't spend time walking around. I bind this, I bind that. Um, we need no, to just but go ahead. No, have and, certain attacks towards your life. I was taught that you're supposed to bind the enemy, and the, it the, says that Matthew is to bind the strong man first. Well, the thing is, like I said, when we go and look at the whole arm of God, I think you'll find that in Ephesians six. Those are the steps that you need to do. So once you do that, then you're able to defeat what it is that's attacking you because it's spiritual warfare mm-hmm. and you and he tells us you know specifically how to do it there are seven steps that you have to do but just saying it that's not enough you have to do the seven steps and i think people would really appreciate victory and how to do it it says he will flee what yes. what, what what is there to defeat if he's going to flee if you do the seven steps that's what I'm saying is that the whole arm of God, he's very specific as to how we're supposed to do it. And people are not doing the seven steps. That's why he's not fleeing. They don't well, do it. Well, when I turn my life over, since I turn my life over to Christ, I have, sometimes when I'm reading the Bible at like 12 o'clock at night, I can feel like pen. You know, like, it's, it feels like, like a pen or a thorn or something going through my hand. Mm-hmm. Now, I can work all day, and as soon as I get ready to take a break and read the Bible, I can feel like pens or needles or something crazy you know and it's just when i start reading the bible i know that that's spiritual warfare and i know that i'm not the only person going through it Mm -hmm. no i'm not saying that you're not but he's just very specific as to how we're supposed to fight uh when we uh look at the whole arm of god ephesians 6 and we look at verse 10 Mm -hmm. and it tells us what to do and i'm just asking for us to know how to do it and if we look at that and I do believe you'll have great success with it because that's what it instructs us to do. I, I believe what you're experiencing is very real. But I believe you, the you word of God is, is, say that again. In Corinthians 2, 12, 7, it says, my thorns will not stop my worship. That's the I Apostle just, Paul I, talking, right? 
I did, yeah, exactly. But it's identifying with what I'm going through while I'm reading my Bible. Okay. So that to me is a spiritual warfare, and I don't think in this life we talk enough about that because people get, you know, abused every day and not even know it. And that's something very important because <laughs> I felt like I was going to lose faith at some point. Like, why is this happening to me? I feel like something is, you know, and it hurts. It feels like some type of, you know, maybe like witchcraft or some type of something going, like a needle actually is. Can feel it going through. It hurts. I I appreciate what you're saying. We're going to get another call, and we're going to come back and finish this uh, next week. Brother Mm -hmm. Tim, can I get you to come back next week? Yes. Because there's some serious questions that she's asking, and I'd like to address it. But we got one more caller. God bless you, sister, and we are going to continue this next week. Amen? Sister Nina, I'm going to have to run, okay? All right. Well, we'll see you next week, okay? Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Take care. Hello, sorry for keeping you on hold for so long. Thank you for waiting, and God bless you. No, that's a blessing. I, I'm just I'm just grateful because that gave me time to look up the passages. <laughs> hey, man, we got about one minute, so come on with it, sis. Oh, yeah, um, it, that sister that was just on the line, see, what most people fail to see, remember, John baptizes water, but the Messiah was coming. Hello, are you there? All right, we're having some technical difficulties, so I'll need you to call back, uh, Sister Dorothy. Amen. We Mm -hmm. had to release some lines. But this is uh, wonderful, what we've gotten into today. And we started off with uh, what was the purpose of the Jerusalem Council. (laughs) And God took us in another another direction. direction. Amen. Amen. So you're on Save the Lost at All Costs, and God bless. I was going to refer to Acts chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. Messiah was the baptized of the Holy Spirit, and, the, and the John was the baptized of water. So it's not the well, all righty. <laughs> Save the loss at all costs. Amen. We will continue well, next now. week. I know. Oh, wow. For tuning in today and supporting this great move of God with your generous donations, Save the Lost at All Costs is a Holy Spirit filled, live called in weekly radio ministry that has been airing since 2005 and serving in the greater Las Vegas community. We can be heard every Sunday at 3.02 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on Las Vegas's very own Christian Talk radio stations, 1060 AM and 101.5 FM. Also, we are audio and video streamed in real time during our live broadcast at www.kkvv.com and our website, www.savethelostlv.org. If you would like to re-listen to a previous broadcast at no charge, make an online secure donation, or learn more about our ministry, please visit our website at www.savethelostlv.org. If you prefer, you can mail in a donation. Address it to Save the Lost at All Cost, Inc., P.O. Box number 335852, North Las Vegas, 89033. Again, our P.O. Box number is 335852, North Las Vegas, 89033. 
All donations made to Save the Lost at All Costs, Inc. are 100% tax deductible. For more information, please feel free to call or text us at 702-219-6882. Again, 702-219-6882. We would like to thank you again. Remember to remain in Christ, stay prayed up, tune in, and don't forget to save the lost at all costs, no matter what.